Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, beautiful time, evening that we are going to spend with um, Steve and Sally, well, the beautiful author of Jesus, the ultimate shaman. Uh, we got in contact many months ago uh, because you reached out to me uh, to uh, offer me the book and say, hey, would you be interested to get a copy of the book? And um, on a fascinated subject, uh, which is shamanism meeting the Christ, and so a religion, a big, you know, religion in our world, Christianity and the symbol of Christ and shamanism where for, you know, personally, I've had many encounter uh, with the Christ in my shamanic work. I've also spent time with many indigenous uh, people. And many of them, in fact, despite they have experienced a lot of violence from Christianity, have encountered the Christ in their ceremonies uh, and as someone that brought light to their world and brought wisdom. So I want to put that out there here that this is not about Christianity tonight. This is about Jesus. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and it is um, a bridge that we are going to try to make because you make a very good point in your book between the Christ healing and ways and shamanism. And so for those of you that are new, and I don't think many of you are new uh, on this podcast or YouTube channel as you're listening live, shamanism really derives from millennia of multicultural practices from all over the world that connect what we call the ordinary world or the middle world, the material world to non-ordinary world of spirits, the upper world, the underworld. And today, most uh, shamans and shamanic practitioners, they help people to connect with what we would call spirit or what we call our spirit or the creator or God, or the universe, or the life forces that is moving it all, or connecting it all. And it's been um, probably 20 or 30 years that shamanism has been really rising all over the world. There's a huge interest in the Western world about it. And so um, this book kind of cover many topics, and we're going to try to go through many of them tonight, and hopefully uh, give you interest in that and maybe getting the book from uh, Sally and Steve. Uh, but first, let me say hello to you. It's time now. Hi, Steve. Hi, Sally. How are you tonight? 
Can you hear me well? Yes. Good to be here. Yes. So, Steve and Sally, before we dive into the book and the content and your personal experience, which I'm really interested in, uh, with that work of shamanism and the bridge between shamanism and Christ, can you introduce yourself, each of you, and tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your path you know i think we talked about it when we first uh, chat together but i'm very interested what is your background and how you kind of weaved into that world of shamanism and did you come from a very religious family did you have no idea who christ really was aside from knowing the name so if you could each of you tell me a little bit uh, about before the book <laughs> and uh you know for you know four or five minutes as long as you want uh, what brought you to that? Where do you come from uh, on that subject, on those subjects? Ladies go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not grow up in a spiritual family. Um, my family didn't go to church. We didn't talk about the Bible. Um, I was just taught to live by the golden rule, just do unto others as you would like done to you. That was kind of our deal. But there was no reference to spirituality at all. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, uh, problems in my childhood with the, within the family that were very uh, traumatic for me. And when I was 10, um, my mom used to drive me. Uh, we lived way out. Out, and she would drive me into the doctor um, and uh, we would pass by this church that was white with a big old steeple. And every time we drive by something about that got me. I thought, I, I don't know anything about church, but I want to see what's going on in there. <laughs> so, so. And how old were you, Sally? Were you little? I mean, were you very little or was it was like, or, oh, you were 10. Okay. I was 10. So uh, I I went in one day and I told my mom, I want you to drive me to that church. And she's like, huh? <laughs> what? You, you what? <laughs> I said, no, I want you to drive me to this church. I want to see what's going on in there. She's like, okay. <laughs> so um, I encountered a very powerful spirit of Christ there. And um, I couldn't even tell you... Uh, what drew me except the spirit drew me there. Um, and I had an encounter with God that was very personal for me. And what transpired out of that was many years of me um, finding comfort in knowing that I was loved and that I didn't, uh, I didn't have to grovel in the treatment that was um, not good uh, in my family, but that I could be, powerful and that I was loved and that I was not alone. That was the biggest thing is that I was not alone. There mm. was someone always walking beside me to give me wisdom and truth. I did a lot of reading in the Bible. That particular church was a very conservative Protestant church. Uh, and um, I attended there for, for a while, a little while, but I mostly just uh, spent time getting to know the creator who created me through reading the Bible. Mm. Um, and later on in my years, I became a um, 
do, doing therapeutic body work. I'm licensed as a massage therapist for many, many years. And I had some wonderful mentors that taught me all sorts of things about spirit and connecting the body with our spirit and how those two are so intricately woven together that what happens to one happens to the other. When there is emotional difficulty, when there's financial difficulty, it shows up in the body as a problem. And to be able to address those life issues that we all experience from time to time uh, has been a wonderful gift for me to offer my clients. Um, for some reason, through along the way, and I don't even know how this happened, but my name got out there uh, as someone who could address unusual circumstances. And I began getting referrals from doctors I didn't even know. Um, I had a couple lightning strike victims. I had people that uh, one man who had fallen like 50 feet in his work from a, a large tower and broke almost every bone in his body. They couldn't manage his pain. And this doctor sent him to me. So I've had um, all sorts of experience in really unusual things. And I can honestly say that the spirit who creates us all, that there's a way of healing for all of us. And it isn't necessarily in a box. It's not in that conservative church I started out with. I think that our faith is bigger than that in the creator that can walk with us through everything and bring us healing, bring us people into our lives who can um, put us in the right path, that we can be whole again. So in that time, that's where I uh, encountered shamanism. <laughs> um, Without I, knowing it, I guess, because you, a lot of things you describe are very connected to shamanic tools or ways, I would say, but it was not like, a, I guess, a formal training with a medicine man or a medicine woman, right? It came directly to you through spirits, right? Yes, and I, I guess I consider some of my mentors people that were, mm. uh, I would consider shamanic practitioners, even though they might not, some of them might not consider themselves that label, um, but they brought truth and they brought um, wonderful wisdom in ways to address healing. Um, and I think what that taught me was that you don't have to fit into any spiritual box to have a relationship with creator. Mm -hmm. You have to be a Jesus person. You don't have to be a whatever person. You can be any person because we're all created by the same creator and we're all precious. So my history, um, I, I have, um, I'm from six nation, um, six tribe uh, nation. And I think some of my, when you ask about mentoring or shamanic, some of it came from that because they speak to me and I walk with them now um, in the ethers as they are with me all the time. Mm -hmm. Seneca. Seneca. Seneca, right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Stadi. I have plenty of questions, but I, I want to let Steve answer uh, a little bit, same as your, your background. I know you came to that, but um, I definitely want to come back on those encounters and how they manifested. And um, because I think uh, 
there's a lot of doubt for many people in the Western world about spirit in terms of connecting to it, right? And I think that's what there is this call to, to religions or certain spirituality because people want kind of a tool or a way or a confirmation, right? And it doesn't often happen that way. And I might share a little bit of my personal story on that. But but Steve, was it also the same for you that you were brought up without any background on that? Or what was your what is your story on this and this connection? Um, I'll, I'll share that. I just want to make a really quick point, which is um, to me, what happens in, in churches that keeps people from stepping out in the spirit is um, a uh, a rationalism it's um it's a, it's the view that science and rationalism is the only worldview we can have that makes any sense and that rationalism traps people into um uh it just limits the way that they that they view things but anyway i'll probably come back to that uh no i was raised catholic um I won the Altar Boy of the Year award in eighth grade. I'm pretty. pretty what damn is that? Proud. Proud <laughs> no, another question. <laughs> I'm strutting my stuff. Now, uh, it's uh, I served. I served as a, a altar boy uh, for masses, doing masses. And I get into high school and punted it. College punted it. Uh, too much uh, authoritarianism. Uh, and then I met a guy surfing and uh, in California, and uh, and he had a Bible in his back seat. And I thought, recently graduated from college, is my duty to make absolutely the most fun I could of him. And finally, he challenged me to read it. And when I started reading it, I got into Matthew, and with all the philosophers, I, I was a philosophy major and a political science minor. Uh, of all of the um, of all the philosophers that bickered back and forth, back and forth, Jesus was like, "This is it." <laughs> it's like, well, there's no argument there, and he just captured me. I mean, and I thought, "I'm walking with you. I want to go with you." That led me to uh, uh, go to a Christian seminary, and uh, I ended up uh, pastoring a young married group, and. Started an inner city ministry to El Salvadoran refugees in San Francisco, and then I eventually moved up into Eastern Oregon and ran a cowboy ministry for a number of years. Uh, and then kind of got that got all wrapped up, and um, and I started doing uh, therapy. But therapies are uh, psychotherapies are, are great, but there's always a limit to how deep they can go because they typically target the cognitive and emotional, but they don't typically target the um, spiritual soul part of people. And so when I started, I, I did community mental health for about eight years, and then I opened up a VA clinic for the VA in a small town. And that's really when I started searching. Because the vets that I was dealing with, combat vets, were just torn up. I mean, they just were torn up and i thought there's got to be a deeper way to bring healing so that's that began my search for shamanism somewhere in that whole process i took up i just quit christianity just said i'm done uh and went on a long 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 search um 
out, you know, into Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and med- meditation practice and uh, Hinduism and Native American beliefs and stuff. And but when I cycled back, um, that was when it occurred to me that Jesus was somebody that the churches made him out to be. They interpret him a certain way from the books that have been selected in the Bible to whatever. They've sort of interpreted him a certain way, a rational way, uh, a way that he can be controlled. And um, that uh, led me to realize that this, that, that the Christ that incarnated Jesus, which I believe he was incarnated in Jesus, that Christ of the universe is the one that I'm actually following. Mm. So that 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 power, that overarching power of the universe, that what what you might call creator, is the Christ. It's the Christ light. It's the Christ of the universe, and and that that's where all of the gifts and all of the power and all of the light flow from. Um, you know, you talk about like universal whatever. It's all. All things are made by him and for him and through him. And I believe that. So that's kind of, that that sort of has become my starting point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to touch a little bit upon that because very often, and that's been my my experience, you know, uh, shamanism is very often shown or described as a no-go for people that are quite religious. Even the practice of drumming, right? The, the idea to go in the underworld or underground, right? In the dark, uh, to talk about shadow, to talk about things like that is can be often painted. And I have had email about it <laughs> or people on Instagram, you know, sending me message as this is the work of the devil, right? There is that kind of very strong confrontation. But... I think what I like about your book, and we'll, we'll come about the book later on, but you already provide some scriptural text, and I can see why you guys are interested in them and why you read them and how you brought them for those followers to kind of a, a green light, right? To go into shamanism and to deepen their faith and to have this direct experience, right? Both of you talk about this direct experience of something that you identify as Christ there. But can you talk a little bit just about that confrontation? And from what I understand, reading your book, you're really trying to build a bridge here, which is what really got me into the book, because that's what I received as a message during my initiation 15 years ago, to be that bridge, to be a bridge between different type of beliefs that maybe are not yet bridged fully or by, I would say, the majority. So can you talk a little bit about that confrontation and how do we resolve that if we come from maybe a background that's quite conservative or if we come maybe with ideas that are quite boxed, to use your term, about what it is? Because the book is not Christ the ultimate shaman, right? It's Jesus the ultimate shaman. So you're talking specifically about that incarnation, and we're going to go into detail about what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about that confrontation and how you can build that bridge, how you can ease that bridge and kind of avoid falling into those um, devil 
painting of the work of shamanism. Because I see it happening still today, right? There's still a major fight between native ways and religious ways, between the ways that are embodied or embedded into the earth connection and the ways that are separated, right? Isolated in a specific place, in a certain direction that is not really turning towards um, nature, the underworld, the diversity of spirits, uh, which is so key to shamanism. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think there's a few factors involved. Having been in that church box myself for many years, um, there's a lot of fear in people to say, uh, wow, my pastor says this, and that's got to be true. And if I move outside of what he says, then I'm at risk for losing a relationship with God, creator, whatever. Um, I'm at risk of going to hell. <laughs> Some people, I shouldn't laugh because there's a lot of people that believe that. Mm. And it, I think a lot of it is based on fear. And a lot of it is based on community and how the community around mm other says you must conform if you're going to be a part of this group you must conform don't go out on your own and research and read and explore and that to me is what shamanism a lot of it is 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 moving out moving your spirit out to learn and grow yeah i remembered um you know i'm talking about years ago uh being confronted by that you know i was not raised in a spiritual family or you know religious family my parents were very open they didn't baptize me uh but very little a little bit like you sally you were describing uh you know i was born and raised in france and we have amazing very old churches and monasteries and cloisters and my parents uh my mother is a history uh, major and she would always bring us to those very ancient monuments mm -hmm. and she told me i didn't remember it i remember when i was 10 or 11 or 12 i didn't remember when i was very little like three to five but she told me that every time we would go to a cloister to a place there used to be monks that i will want to go in that cloister and walk around like mm -hmm. a monk I would just start walking around with my head down and just walking. And she said it was very hard to get you out. You would scream. You would want it to be there. Wow. It wow. came for me later on as wow. I grew up and I became a teenager where there this fascination for cloisters and for this space of um, yeah. communion, right? And really was not in my education, was never you know, taught about it, never saw a Bible in my life until I went through a big breakdown and I was a CEO of a big company and I was living in London and I think I was 25 and I had such an emotional turmoil that day that I ran out of my office, found the first church that was there, entered the church, fell on my knees and started praying for the first time in a church. And I was, I think, uh, 29 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had this direct revelation, this direct connection. And that was the beginning of my, my journey with Christ, right? Um, 
I didn't really know about shamanism at all at the time. It was really the, the beginning of my journey. But later on, as I got to explore a different path and I wanted to get baptized and I went to the local um, priest here at the Catholic church and he came to see me at my home and I have this very big uh, Buddha statue on my land, like life size, right? And he was really upset to see the Buddha statue in my garden. And he said, I can baptize you if you have a statue like that in your garden. And we're talking about Buddha, right? <laughs> Just Buddhism is not really even a religion, right? And that was my first shock. Long story short, years later, I met another pastor that was very open, very unorthodox, and had agreed to baptize me in the river with a Native American medicine man. So the two of them baptized me in the local river. Mm. So I, I found the way through it, right? But I got confronted to that. And I think you're right. There's that fear of the losing the community, of not being in touch with that person that represents authority, right? Mm -hmm. Like the connection to God through someone instead of my direct connection and experience uh with spirit it's very powerful when you grow up you know like i did in the catholic church and then you say i, I don't want this to do this anymore and then it's kind of like you walk around you know like uh oh when is the lightning gonna hit you know kind of thing um, yes <laughs> yeah but yes a really good question uh and i think honestly when you read the gospels jesus confronted and use the word confronting, you know, Jesus confronted uh, all the time, all through his ministry. He was trying to open people up. You know, he would say, hey, he was eyes to see, let him see. He was ears to hear, let them hear. And he wasn't talking about physical eyes and physical ears. He was talking about our spiritual senses. He was always trying to expand people's connection with spirit. And uh, I one of the like, you know, when Peter's out there and he's walking across the water, Jesus is, and I don't know if you believe that. I, I think he could it did it, but anyway, that's my deal. And Peter says, hey, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come. Jesus says, well, come on then. And he gets out of the boat. He's always calling us to a, a greater connection to spirit. And that I think that's the struggle um, in with everybody is um, everybody that listens to your program, me, Sally, it's like, what's that? What's the next step that takes us deeper in the spirit? Um, I think that's the, that's the life we live is seeking, is seeking spirit. But some people, um, they can't even see, read through the lines of scripture to see the deeper content, because I think their rationalism prohibits them from doing that. So for instance, like I would say to a friend of mine, um, so you know in the gospel when Jesus agrees to heal the centurion servant, there was a Roman centurion who had a servant that was sick, and he was really concerned about him, and he said to Jesus, you know, just, just command it and it'll be done. And Jesus said, I, I, I haven't found faith like that in all of Israel. And uh, anyway, Jesus healed them remotely. And, um, and I asked people, how did he do that? 
How did he heal remotely? You ever thought about that? Well, it's because he was God. And that's funny because Sally and I, we kind of do some remote healings too. What? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like the quantum, you know, it's like everything's connected. We're connected by spirit. So we reach through the ether and we connect with a person and we channel energy to them. Um, and, and so I think people will can get there if they can realize that, and this is why the book was written, is to say that the Jesus that you follow is the very one that was doing the very things that you say are wrong or demonic or or not right or you don't want anything to do with it. Mm. But he's the very one that's doing the very things that you're denouncing. So are you following what I'm saying? I do, yeah. And I want to go into a little bit more detail about that, about those principles, the shamanic principles, those tools that Jesus was using um, based on the scriptures, right? Based on the writings that have been done about him. So yeah. can you give us some example uh, that really show that those are true shamanic principles that are written in the sacred text? And how do they connect to more, more modern? I mean, shamanism is not modern, right? But what we see in shamanism today still. Yeah. Well, when we talk about, do you mind if I answer no. this? Um, first of all, you know, the title, Jesus, the ultimate shaman, you know, Jesus is not really the ultimate shaman. I mean, is will the real ultimate shaman please stand up? Oh, there isn't any. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll call the author of the book to get the, the title changed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it was kind of a, a fun title. It was a way of, of creating that bridge between Jesus and, and, and shamanism. But, you know, I was, uh, uh, I was looking at uh, Marceau Eliad's book uh, on shamanism the other day, and he says that, you know, there are certain shamans that the shamanic line comes down by blood, and people are trained within their family line. And then there's other ones that sort of gravitate into shamanism. And I think what gravitates people toward shamanism is spirit. Hmm. It, spirit calls us to, to go deeper and deeper and deeper into that connection. And it ends up doing things like that Jesus did intuitively. Like the first thing he did when he started his ministry is, you know, he went out of the desert. And he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, why did he do that? Well, anybody that's ever been on a vision quest knows exactly why he did that. Because the things that we learn on vision quests change our life in a powerful way. And that's exactly what happened to him. It, it changed his life in a powerful way. But another example of that would be remote healings. Who gave him the idea that he could do a remote healing? Um. I think he was intuitively connected to the spirit um, so much so that he, he could connect himself through the spirit to, uh, uh, there were a number of remote healings that he did, I think five or six or probably even more, but he could connect himself, his spirit with that person's spirit and channel energy to them. Um, yeah, like a distant Reiki healing, for example, or other type of shamanic healing, right? That are done where the people are not present physically in the room, yeah. right? And can right. be very far away, not even, you know, where uh, at that moment that the healing is happening, potentially. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the work that Sally and I do is actually more often mm-hmm. remote, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, and then another example is when they're out in the boat and they're rowing the boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm comes up, you know, and he stands up in the boat, you know, and basically what he does, he commands the elemental spirits, knock it off. (laughs) (coughs) Knock it off. And everything calms down. And I think that's to demonstrate that he has connection to spirit. And, you know, Sally and I have seen that. We had a fire here that came really close to burning our town down. And, uh, uh, two years ago. And, uh, and I thought, what can we do? And I said, well, we'll just command this, the fire to go in the opposite direction. And that's what I did. I went out and I started talking to the fire and I said, you don't belong here. You know, why are you, why are you doing this? You know, we haven't done anything to you and you need to, you need to go the other direction. Well, they, they were, uh, forecasting heavy winds that, day and for the next three days and the the winds never came and the fire got slowed up enough where the firefighters could come in and and sort of get set up so when the fire did eventually creep down the hill they could put it out and that's exactly what happened but then we at the people that have done our shamanic training they have a ranch power path and the fire that was burning out there by uh, las vegas uh, new mexico burnt up to their uh up to their property and we were on a conference call uh and i i told them about my experience of pushing that fire back and several of the people that were on the call uh, apparently they they started doing that i started doing it too uh-huh. and and what happened was the fire stopped literally at their border and went around into the north. So, I mean, it's those kinds of things that if uh, if people could realize that we have we have power to work with elemental spirits, um, then we would be doing sort of what Jesus did when he stood up in the boat and said, you know, chill out. Yeah, which is a very known and common skills of many medicine men that I know and I work with to yep. be able to command the weather, right? The rain, the wind, um, the elements. Yep. Um, so you talk a little bit about Jesus initiation, right? Going into vision quest and, mm-hmm. um, you know, going into silent moments, definitely a vision quest, uh, from the description, you know, in the scriptures is it's very evident there. Um, but how do someone, you know, I, I want to go back to the book, but how do we develop those skills? If you can tell a little bit from that perspective of Jesus, from that perspective of what you study, how do we develop this intuition and capacity to deeply listen, to be able to perform uh, that commandment or maybe that's a little bit of a strong world but how to be in better connection to the spirits because like you say we live in such a rational society right that our mind is so constrained by science and fears that it might be very difficult to connect to that intuition 
and to have true faith, right? It's one thing to have our faith in our head and think that, okay, creator exists. I believe there's a God. It's another one to have it in our heart to truly believe. And Jesus talks about that, right? Those who have seen <laughs> and believe are great, right? But those who have not seen and still believe are, you know, even closer to God, right? So how do we do that? How do we believe when we haven't seen the miracle, when we don't maybe have performed the miracle yet? I well, think... I think if Jesus in front of us and put his hand down and the person stand up and walk out perfectly here, well, I would believe in that, right? But how do in our modern world, do we return to that kind of wisdom and that capacity to listen and to find back this intuition that we carry, that we, I believe we all have, right? Absolutely. And uh, I believe fundamentally much of it is realizing that it's not our power. It's our faith in the power that works through us to perform these things. Um, it's not that I'm so great or, you know, um, it, it's that I allow, I allow I'm a vessel for this power to work through with my intention of asking for healing or the wind or fire, uh, those kinds of things to realize that the power moves through us. It's not like, well, how can I go to the gym and get enough power to be a shamanic practitioner? <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know that there's a gym, a gym like that. That'd be really cool if there was. But, um, but I think primarily that's a number one basic thing that needs to be understood. Um, and second of all, you spoke about intuition. And I think um, there is a fear factor, faith and fear factor that have to learn to work together. Um, again, when we realize it's it's our intention, it's our desire, strong desire, which would be an intention. Um, and then we call on the power to come through. Um, and it's important that we learn to listen. Mm. To me, intuition is all about listening. Um, and we have a whole, I have a whole chapter in the book mm -hmm. about learning to develop your intuition because going through life in a powerful way involves us uh, making wise choices and asking for input and wisdom and then being open to receive whatever it is without judgment or uh, without already having a preconceived idea of what that should be. But we ask for wisdom, and it comes. And then we act on that. So mm. that's, that's a simple, for me, a simple explanation. You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. Yeah, and there is um, something that also relates to uh, a question someone is asking, which is, this, which is the idea of faith, right? And very often, you know, people think, okay, I just believe in that, right? And uh, I asked a medicine man years ago about it, say, I don't believe I know. <laughs> I don't believe in God. I know God. He said something like that, right? He had a, he had a personal experience with it. And I feel very often, unless, I mean, it's not often that we have a direct 
uh, manifestation maybe of that power, not for everyone, not all the time. But for me, those have been the crucial moments going from a faith that I feel was very much in my head mm-hmm. to a faith that really dropped into my heart. And I have, you know, hundreds of examples now on how those prayers, those calling have manifested into my life in ways that are unexplainable mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we really go from your ex- based on your experience from that belief that face right that we have just have faith in the scriptures or we have faith in the christ through really have this real factual base that okay this is true this is not just a belief anymore it's just me having faith into that force into those spirits into those text but i really know for a fact that this is God, or this is a, you know, the creator, or this is the universe forces that are already working here through me. It might be a tricky question, by the way, I realize maybe. It's a great question. It, it really goes to the heart of what we're all about. Um, to me, um, uh, the the faith that Jesus was talking about was the faith of the, of the heart, not the faith of the head. Because you can believe you can believe all you want, but it's like, so what, you know? Um, but I think to me, things really started to change for me when um, I started to uh, open up to spirit and say, well, I talk in the book about I don't know if you remember this, but ha- us having two radars, one's the physical and one's the spiritual. And, um, um, in fact, I work for a company. I'll tell you this little story is there's a, there's a defense, uh, weapon on a ship, Navy ship called the phalanx. And it's a, basically it's a modern day Gatling gun. And it's, it's a last line of defense before our missile comes in and blows the ship up. And we don't want that. So, so we went out, I was working for a company, we went out to look at this thing to see how it worked because we were going to design something for it. And uh, I said, how does this thing work? Is basically we have two radars. One tracks the incoming bogey and the other one tracks the outgoing rounds and they pull the two, pic- the two pictures together and we blow up the, the target. And I walked away from that and I was thinking, huh, and then spirit said to me, "Yep, you got those radars. You just you got the physical turned on. You just don't have your spiritual one turned on." And I went, "Ah. Okay. Okay." So from then on, I started to ask spirit, um, "Okay, when I meet this person, what do I need to sense about them? Or what do you want to do with them or for them? What how can I how can I respond to them? And that that puts me in a heart mode because then I have compassion. And it's compassion that drove Jesus' ministry, by the way. It was always about compassion. So so I have compassion to bring whatever that person it could be a word of knowledge, could be a word of wisdom. Um, I don't know, something that they may have a need, maybe nothing at all. But I'm, I've got my spiritual radar turned on, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sensing as we talk about what 
what creator wants me to do with them. And, and little by little, as I, as I listen, little, um, little bracelets, little spiritual gifts start to come, um, like a word of knowledge, like something I wouldn't have known about them. And it filters in and says, here, you know, it's like when Jesus said, when he met the woman at the well, Samaritan well, and, and he said, uh, he said, go call your husband. And she says, uh, I, um, I don't have a husband. He says, and you say, right, because the last uh, five men that you were with, they weren't your husbands either. And then she looks at him and says, how do you, I, if I got that wrong, sorry, I probably did. But anyway, how how is it that, you know, you know, these things, you know, and then he goes on to, to, to really kind of develop a, a, a conversation. He takes it down to a heart level, from a head to a heart level with her. And that that's what these words of knowledge or words of wisdom or discernment. Discernment's a big thing when you're working with somebody and you get the sense like, hey, there's something you're really struggling with. and um, Or you sense something like a shadow on that person, you know. And and you and you you know and yes, what, what do you want me to do with that? Do you want me to say anything or not? Um, um, so I think what happens is um, we are in a place where we can really care about each other um, if we open ourselves up to intuition and listening right then and there with everybody we meet. Which is really, it's interesting because um, I had a conversation last week with one of my elder and he said, you know, you need to decide uh, if you want to choose your belief or if you want to choose connection. Ah, because perfect. you cannot have one or the other it's it's one or the other you cannot have both right so at some point you say you are going to have to decide if what's more important to you yeah is your belief which i take it as my mind in some ways right or do you want connection do you want to stay connected and you kind of have at some point to let that go and i feel you know very much of that descent into my heart right i can read very often you know one of my favorite scriptures is jeremiah uh, i love the prophet and i love the way he talks to god and he's very confronting <laughs> to god and and, yeah. and i like that he has a very direct um discussion with god about well, he doesn't really want to be a prophet to start with, right? Because people no, think, he doesn't. yeah, like none of them really want because they usually get arrested <laughs> and, yeah. and tortured or killed, right? And he yeah. really goes to God and says, listen, I just don't I'm, I have enough of that. I, I can't go. People think I'm crazy. I've been pushed away from my community. And you ask me to stay that. And when I say it, people laugh at me and people push me. And God basically listen for like, I don't know, for quite a while. And he's like this angry child, right? He's just like screaming at her. Uh, and at some point, God tell him, say, okay, are you finished? He was he's like, okay, yeah, I'm done. And kind of the tantrum is gone, right? She said, okay, so now here's what you're going to go tell them. <laughs> she basically keep going. And in the English translation or the more modern translation of the text, it say, God abused me of 
you say you abuse me, right? And I let myself being abused. But the original Aramaic text, the ancient text says, it says to God, you rape me mm. and I let myself being raped. So it's mm. a much more, basically it says you, you had a physical intercourse in me and I let myself that happen. And that's what he really tells God, right? So it's very visceral. It's very emotional, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, we can really feel that dilemma very often of those prophets in it. But what I want to go into is that we can very much read all those texts from our mind and our head and saying, do we believe it? Have an opinion, take it to an extreme. Well, you know, Christian did this or that religion did that. So I have a very mind belief system when we read them, or we can drop into our heart and feel into the words. And that's usually when we can experience a transformation or we can experience the connection, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel then the belief might come back into our head, right? Then, then we believe, but it's coming from the way up, not from the way down. And I feel like this is really, I love the, your idea of radar because that's really what it is, right? What, what, what do I activate in that moment? Do I come and I judge because you're quoting a scripture or you're talking about Jesus and I come with all my mind filters? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to connect to your words and feel the energy mm -hmm. and be curious and have compassion? Well, I might disagree, but I have compassion and curiosity and stay connected there. Mm -hmm. And then my heart open. And then they tell us when it opens, we connect to spirits, right? That's when God can really flow through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so I think that that's I think didn't really happen with the religion, right? I mean, many religions, not all of them, by the way. I go to church every Sunday with an amazing pastor, so there's really nothing against religion, but, but he has this capacity to open my heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To not make me feel strange in that context, and despite I practice something quite different, but still feel so much love very often having tears dropping down my face in some of the worlds because i can already feel them in my heart right so i i wanted to say i wanted to and i love what you just said about belief versus connection because like that i think that's a just a simple way of talking about what we're all doing um it's kind of like like the rabbit saying to Alice in Wonderland, you know, how, well, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? How deep a connection do you want to have? What are you, what are you willing to do to pursue that? And, um, you know, uh, but I think, you know, when I first got into shamanism, I was looking at the drumming and I was looking at the rattle. And I was looking at, you know, the sage we burn or, or the um, apacho or, the more I, I'm around that stuff, um, the more I'm thinking, what if you're just out on the street and you stop and talk to somebody and what if you don't have those things? Well, I'm shit out of luck, I guess, because then I, I don't have all my my shamanic shit with me. You know, I'm reaching in my pocket. I don't have anything to use. You know? <laughs> like, well, you really do. You have connection. You have spirit. 
And if you'll just stop and 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 really listen to that person and then invite spirit into this process. What do you have for me? What do you have for that person? Maybe I walk away learning something from them. And that that's what that whole thing was about. Or maybe I pass something to them. Or maybe there's a healing that's going to come a certain way. I don't know. Well, the whole healing ministry of Jesus was out there, right? He was in the street, not only in the street, but he was on the edges of society, right? Yep. With the people that were rejected. He yeah. was with the immigrants. He was with the prostitutes. He was with the people that were not part of the system. And when he were with the system, usually he would make a big mess, right? Or the establishment, right? He was trying to really dismantle the establishment. So I think in his ministry, in his ways, he was very much what a medicine man are, which very often in communities, by the way, either it's in the jungle in Peru that I've experienced that or in other part of the world, the medicine man doesn't always live in the center of the community. He's always a bit on the edge. He's in the forest, right? He's somewhere you need to go find him despite he's accepted, right? But he lives that life that is connected to the community, but also is a little bit on the edge mm -hmm. in the street, right? Like you say, right? He's not in his church. He not, he's not in his temple. He's not in his maloka. He's out there where the pain is in well, connection to it. All of our growth, when we think we have it all down, we have nothing else to learn, right? I know all the answers. I have it all together. I know all the Bible scriptures, I know all the prayers, what, whatever uh, is entailed in that. And I think the people on the fringe are there because they don't have all the answers. And that's where we can come to that fringe spot. All of us, if we're honest, we, <laughs> we have, we're all on the edge at some point with something, I think. I find that in my practice anyway. Um, And that's where we learn, and that's where we can be healed when we open to that mystery and say, man, I am really having a problem with this area, or I need an answer to this because I have no clue where to go with this. Mm -hmm. It's being open to that mystery of saying there's more out there than me, and that to me is a beginning point. And that's why I think Jesus was on the fringe. Yeah, but that's the fear. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's why we don't move out is because I don't want to put myself in a position where um, or where spirit might not answer me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like sitting there like naked and afraid. Yeah, my pastor often say, you know, God is not, she's not in the center. She's on the edges. Mm -hmm. yeah. In our edges <laughs> and in the edges of society. And I just found that quote when he told me that it just resonated so deeply on how yeah. and where I find my connection to spirit. Wow. That's cool. Say, look, it's on the edge, right? If you stay in the center and the comfort, like you say, Sally, right? In what I know, you know, I see I'm kind of dead there, right? I mean, I might feel very grounded and present, but in fact, I'm not really meeting what wants what has been pushed away, what is isolated, what is maybe screaming from far away, what needs my help. Well, that's what's my vulnerability. vulnerability is so hard. It's hard for us to be vulnerable 
in our own minds with our own self. And it's hard to be vulnerable with other people. Um, and yet that's, that's where the healing is. It's being vulnerable and being open and saying, I don't know. So lead me to the right, the right direction here. Hmm. So have we kind of killed that spirit when we put it into a building, when we put it with walls around, when we put it into very much sometimes a mind centric and get it out of the heart? I mean, there is many churches out there that do amazing work with the poor and with so many amazing activity, right? But some version of it can be kind of removing him from where he was, right? From where he was getting his healing power. And maybe that's why the healing power are kind of gone, maybe, or that capacity to connect so deeply to spirit. I think from what I've seen, going to a Christian seminary, uh, what I was taught. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a book on uh, life in the spirit and spiritual gifts. And um, hopefully it'll be published in a couple months. And uh, uh, and I asked this whole question, of what, what's happened to the church where you don't see pastors like drawing the spiritual gifts of people out, you know, like prophecy and apostleship and uh, healing and where's the healers in the churches and uh, discerners and word of knowledge and word of wisdom and administrators and all this these gifts that we're told that people have plus a lot more and i think a lot of it is when i went to seminary um we were you know we were i, I was taught greek and hebrew so I could do the translation, and then I took all my theology classes, and then I took my preaching classes, um, and then they graduated me. And they said, there you go. Get out there and get in that pulpit and teach that truth because you're superhuman now. You're super smart. And it, it was just like, holy cow, what are you talking about? Thank God I didn't, I didn't pastor. Um, not, uh, like I, I, I did, but it was more informally. Um, but it is really what happens is when pastors get into churches, you know, when you're around people that are struggling to learn to do this process of shifting from belief to, uh, connection. And like somebody wrote up on the screen, there, faith is action. It's a dirty process. Mm. You know, it's a it's it's like babies that have diapers that like the poop spills out, you know, and uh, and as a parent, you know, we've all experienced that, you know, it's like, oh, wow. All right. So from now on, you can't go to the bathroom anymore because this is uncomfortable. But that's what's happened a lot in the churches is is that is, is people try to speak prophetically and they, they don't do it exactly right. Instead of coming alongside and saying. Here, let me teach you. I, I think the problem is, is that many pastors don't know even what their own spiritual gifts are. They assume that because they're preaching that they have a teaching gift, and they really don't. Maybe they have some other gift like service or helps or, uh, or, um, or something. Um, mercy, 
you know, or mercy, compassion. But anyway, what happens is they end up they end up not training their people how to um, how how to use these powerful power gifts that we have. Mm. And and so what happens is the church dampens down, dampens down, and pretty soon it just becomes an intellectual thought thought exercise. I go, I listen to what you have to say. It all goes in here, and maybe hopefully a little gets down here, but most of it's up here. And and so um, so that whole notion of moving from belief to connection is not facilitated. Some churches they do. Yes, yeah, or even some, I guess, some part of the church, right? I'm thinking about the Franciscans or other type of currents, right? I've, I've been fascinated yeah. by, by the life of St. Francis, which was definitely a medicine man, a shaman in the way he lived. Oh, my God. And, you know, living in the forest and walking with animals and the way he was connected to spirituality. And even suffering very much with his uh, personal health, the fate of many medicine people, right? That has this huge burden to carry and still are in service uh, to the world, right? So there is many examples, in fact, in the Christian faith. Uh, I mean, the prayer of St. Francis, right? Uh, the, one of his most famous prayer is, is literally a prayer that you would hear around a shamanic ceremony around a fire, around a sweat lodge, <laughs> around a vision quest, yeah. you know, summoning and talking to the sun and to the moon and to the wind and to the waters. And I'm even surprised that this prayer survived <laughs> and is still alive today. Because for me, there is also here this very direct connection between shamanism and Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Sally. I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. Steve is way more scholar than me. Um, but I think that's what happened um, is that when the Bible was put together, it was put together to have a certain. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were scriptures that weren't, uh, that weren't manuscripts that weren't included because mm -hmm. they didn't go along with that end idea um, yeah i i absolutely go with you with that um and it was written you know many many years later right it was it was not written uh, at the time really it was happening mm -hmm. and it was also written in yeah in the creation of a church right which was mm -hmm. very different from jesus ministry which didn't really have a church right it was not christianity yet and he was i mean he was a rabbi right i'm guessing everybody knows that here but uh, he was coming also from a different faith than the one that was born. And we made the church really Jesus-centric instead of Christocentric in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of centered on God, we made it very centered on that person, on that incarnation, which I think also is not something that he ever asked or talked about or requested or even envisioned maybe, I don't know. But we forget about all the other things, like the animals. Mm. Who um, look at the story of Noah? <laughs> you know, there's so many. There, there was. Uh, who was it? Was uh, see, I'm not the scholar. The was it was on the fast, and the bird came and fed him. 
Um, Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. The bird came and fed him. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many instances uh, in scripture and in our lives when we pay attention of uh, nature and creation um, that work along with us to strengthen us and to help us along our journey. Yeah. Raven. It's my reading. So in, in the book, you talk a lot about those, you know, shamanic principles and the connection to the ministry of Jesus and also to develop that intuition and those spiritual listening skills. There's a good chapter on that. Um, I would love to talk a little bit uh, now about those um, shamanic practices uh, that a beginner would need to learn or the things that you feel, you know, there's so many uh out there but what are the one that you see that are important and if you can make the connections to to jesus or to the christ right and how they fit into that umbrella we don't have to go through all of them but i'd love to hear from a few that you mentioned in the book or that you feel are relevant to mention now mm-hmm. are you talking about practices or tools practices or tools that people can can use um, either tools of shamanic practitioner or practices that people can do to open that gift right to get that connection open mm-hmm. in in the context of that bridge that we are talking about maybe i think steve mentioned one um is a vision quest mm-hmm. going out um i don't think that you have to do a a whole vision quest thing you can spend time in meditation you can spend time in prayer, in stillness, and going out in creation and learning to listen and not be distracted by life. I think that is a really good skill. And I think that, um, I mean, Jesus did that. He was a really good listener um, through his life and how to, how to touch people, connecting with his intuition, um, uh, because he was a good listener. And when he knew he was getting too much from the outside that he needed to still his heart, he'd go off by himself. You see that over and over that he went mm-hmm. off to a quiet place. And I think that's one way that's, I know Steve will talk too, but, but uh, that's one way that everyone can do. Yeah, that was way before we see internet and smartphone and all the massive amount of distraction that we have now that makes our head even more noisy right <laughs> well i thought you were on a good track i was sitting there enjoying listening to you oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> i uh I, when we wrote the book um there's a lot of practices that shamans do um uh, like um soul retrievals or um other stuff like that that um that you really, you should have somebody kind of teach you how to do them, mm. um, mentor you in them. But then we kind of got to talking and we realized that there were a lot of things that people were already doing that are, that move you in that direction towards connection. So like meditation is one. You know, anybody that meditates is is, is clearly steering into a path and and, you know, I had a friend of mine who uh, the gal used to listen to, uh, you know, a phone meditation thing. And she was using it to calm herself down. But I think eventually she'll find her way into saying, wow, this this goes deeper. Mm-hmm. 
she continues it. So meditation would be one of the uh, shamanic oriented practices and then getting away by yourself, doing a sometimes just a one day fast, two day fast, three day fast, uh, getting off by yourself, clearing the clearing the static, um, tuning in would be another way. I think there are many tools. Uh, when we wrote the book, we, we our intention, um, again, you talk about the bridge. We're talking to different groups of people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, shaman, people who follow shamanism are familiar with rattles and drums and uh, all the mapacho, all those things that are used, right? Um, and people who are probably in a church on the other side have no idea and they may have been taught those things uh, are will lead you astray straight um. um, so we decided to kind of go down the middle and do some very basic explaining in our book we don't go over a lot of things because um, if someone was to desire to learn more about being a practitioner they really need to mentor with someone yes, to do no. those things. It's serious work. Um, you're working with negative uh, entities. You're working with, um, I mean, you could call it possession. You're working with uh, dark spirits. Those are things that you need to be mentored in before you walk into doing that kind of interface. Because you better darn know mm -hmm. what you're about and whose you are yeah. and what energy you're working with. Uh, so we we went on a very basic way. Um, we talk about the rattles and the drums, mm -hmm. which are wonderful because vibration helps break up energy. So, um, you know, it's a wonderful way to prepare yourself or a group for time together, for discussions, because you break up all that energy um, of people that have had a hard day or even yourself and in your private time, you know, sit and shake that rattle and just clear yourself mm -hmm. of distractions. It's kind of the same as going off by yourself. It's a way to clear mm -hmm. so that you can listen better. A lot of people are tuned into using sage, you know, it's become a, I don't a lot of markets I walk into and I look down and go, oh, there's a little sage bundle. Huh, that's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I was in a store the other day in Beatty, Nevada, on my way home from Oregon. And there was a little stop and rob. There's a sage bundle in there. I'm thinking I should ask the guy. But the fact that people are accessing stuff like that means they're they're using it. And this is becoming more common. So we tried to show stuff like that, like a sage like burning sage and, and smoking yourself, you know, and cleansing yourself uh, is a way um, to do that. Or like Sally pointed out is um, uh, like uh, people pick up feathers. They really, they're drawn to a feather. And so then you, you, you connect with the spirit of that feather, the spirit of the animal of the feather. Or the other thing we point out is um, connecting with, like a lot of people, you'll say, um, have you ever, like, through your life, have you ever connected with a particular animal? And then they'll kind of think, we'll go, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, um, you know, I, yeah, I had this experience when I was a kid with uh, a hawk. 
And ever since then, I noticed the hawk comes around at certain times. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, huh, okay. Well, why don't you build on that? So we we kind of take real common themes and try to help people to build on them without like developing full-blown shamanic practice. Yeah, I that's what I really enjoy about your book, by the way. And and clearly, you know, shamanic trainings is a, a lifelong training, right? And you need mentors and traditionally, you know, that's how they always been done, right? Yeah. Um but I think there is definitely, I mean, I just feel it, you know, I have a very unusual profile of people that now comes for trainings or come for, you know, shamanic healing. People that I would say 10 years ago would have never probably pushed the door of such practice. Mm-hmm. People that are coming more from the material corporate world, but who have those uh feelings those callings like you're talking about steve right they say i don't know i keep seeing that or i keep hearing that or i'm feeling there is just something deeper either through dream state or either through their normal life right either through what they call coincidence or and it's uh very common now that i see people that i'm sure 10 years ago i never had anybody like that walking into that door so there's definitely uh Spirits, that's how I say it, right? Spirit is just putting the, the volume up because it's time to to listen. Uh, but I think also, yeah, the Western world doesn't really have uh, a lot of tools or places of doesn't have any rite of passages, doesn't have any initiation, and so doesn't have the answer when people are confronted yes. with such calling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. So we're, we're getting at the end of our talk today. So um, I really, really recommend people to to get the book and we'll put a little link under. Uh, I think it's just a, a beautiful writing and I think you've done a really good job, which is not easy to bridge those two sides. And um, yeah, I hope you're getting more praised email than angry email uh, for that book. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Uh, but I want to, uh, yeah, maybe the last word that you want to share, Sally or Steve, maybe something we haven't talked about or something you want to tell people uh, before we, we go. And then I'll, I'll close the space. And thanks, everyone. I just have my encouragement for anyone who's listening is to set aside your fear. There's nothing to fear. There's only love and goodness and acceptance um, that can help build yourself into a human being that can be healed and have leftover to give to others, to our world. We need that right now. Mm. So don't be afraid. Step out. Mm. Do not be afraid. It's many times in the scripture, right? If I'm not mistaken, Steve, you're probably more a specialist on me on that, but do not fear is very present, right? The heart path. And, uh, yeah, perfect. Prepared. Perfect love casts out fear. Mm. If we're in the love track, this fear goes away. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of my uh, elder teachers, Native American, say, you know, to not choose that program because then we participate in that program. And we also invite things that we don't want to invite into our field. 
Oh my God. To, to be aware right that it is there obviously it's a human emotion but that we also have a choice at some point and to really be aware of that when we are called into by other spirit into another program and to always return to that path that light that love mm -hmm. thank you so much uh sally thank you steve uh thank you to everyone that joined live thank you to everybody that's listening on the podcast on the youtube channel uh if you have any questions feel free to put them under the recordings and you can also find the different links to reach out to Sally and Steve to get the book if you feel called by it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, so I really recommend it. So I hope you had a, a good time. Wishing everyone a beautiful evening and a blessed rest of the day. Thank you yep. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, and you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is The Sanctuary Podcast and Angel Deer signing off.